All right, here we go. Okay, Christian, it's your turn. Start our podcast off. Uh, afraid not, Jess. I am spending my Medicare token to have Chris from Honor and Intrigue kick it off. Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a, a podcast, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's we have the a guest, perfect. an actual guest. That's our second time having a guest. Yes. Yes, that's right. Second yeah. time in a row. Yes. Uh, and we are talking about um, not only honored entry to this year, who's the creator of our honored heaven. Uh, well played. Uh, pun intended, completely. Uh, but we're going to discuss some uh, things about um, his game, uh, in particular how it ties to what we want to talk about tonight, which is meta currencies in games. Uh, but before we do that, um, I don't know, Jess, if you want to start, because you ran honored entry, you want to talk about your thoughts about writing it and your Chris can sort of jump in and talk about some oh, stuff gosh. you've been asking questions since we have you here. Yeah, yeah. Before I mean, that, I guess, oh, Chris, sure. go ahead, Wayne. Oh, Chris, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. So that way we can... Sure, yeah. Um, I'm Chris Rutkowski. I'm the author of uh, Bash Superhero RPG and also the Honor and Intrigue swashbuckling role-playing game system. Thank you so much for being here. I am, we are so excited. You're basically our first creator that's here. Uh, It's it's so exciting. I am so grateful that you were there for the stream. That was so helpful too. Oh, Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm jealous of that, actually. I was great. We're like, we're professionals. Hell, how does this work (laughs) in the chat? I would not call us professionals. Uh, I would not go there. You're kidding me. Well, I mean, it does mean a lot, though, actually, Chris, that you're here because we do kind of our mission statement has been to show people more incredible games that are out there. You know, you go on Twitch or you go on like for me, Reddit or something like that. And like 90 plus percent of the RPG content out there is just people going, how do I make this work in 5e? Or like, why? You know, here's my issues with Dungeons and Dragons. And not that we have an issue with Dungeons and Dragons. I think we all are currently playing in a D&D campaign. But it's just really important to us to spread the word about other great games. And having you hop in and, and be in chat and help out was was awesome. Oh, well, thank you. And it was... Yeah, and, and even beyond that, like, Chris was very awesome from our first stream. Uh, because, you know, Session Zero got out there and somehow we found out about it. So I, I, yeah, I that's a pretty funny that story, happened. actually. But he reached out to us and was like, hey, like, when's your next stream? This is cool. And then proceeded, because we just had the copy of the, you know, the main rule set, proceeded to provide everything else to us, which was amazing. And then also hung out with us in chat while we were playing the game and they answered those questions, which was extremely helpful. But I meant to ask you that. Like, how did you find out about us? I was perusing Reddit and just happened to see that you guys had posted a link on an RPG thing and said, oh, well, I had no idea this was a thing and like went and looked at it. So I watched the so cool. rerun of your Session Zero on YouTube and I, it turned out that, oh, this is still ongoing. It's not something that they recorded two years ago that I never heard about. So Wow, that's so funny. You literally caught that us is so, while we were That is so crazy. Yeah. yeah. It so was I, a coincidence. That's awesome. Is it a surreal experience to find out, like, I mean, you created this game. Is it surreal to be like, oh, these people are now out, it's out there being played? Because, like, Renee, Rainey and I, you know, we're, like, we're writing some wrong little games now. We're trying. Uh, we're trying. And I know that you know, I look forward to hearing from someone someday being like, oh, hey, play the game. I really like it. Yeah. yeah it it's, hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely rewarding. Uh, that's for sure. It's, I mean, it's part of the reason why I do this. It's definitely not for the money. I've, <laughs> if I wanted, <laughs> yeah. if I wanted the money, I would have, I would have been, you know, doing something else. True. Matt, that is uh, that is basically why we're here too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Love of the love of the game. Yeah. Um yeah, and speaking the economics of, of the stream do not work out. <laughs> speaking of your game, Chris, Honor and Intrigue, I know uh it came out in what, twenty eighteen? No, no, right? no, older than that. More it's recent? almost ten years up uh, almost ten years now. Twenty twelve. Yeah, really? I think, I think it had won in any in twenty nineteen, but it had been out. Oh, is that where I saw? Mm-hmm. No. It, it won the Yeni in twenty twelve. Oh, oh, in 2012 wow. when it came out. Okay, wow. I'm sorry. Awesome. So sorry. And to qualify, it has to be a game that was like released that year. So gotcha. that's how I know it's 2012. Gotcha. I should have done my homework better. But no, Bash was <laughs> nominated for an ENE in 2009, but it didn't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh. mm-hmm. 
Well, and yet you still plan on putting out more stuff for Honor and Intrigue. You've been putting stuff yeah. out re- relatively recently, right? Yeah, I, I have been putting out like a string of things called the Intriguing Options. Volume one is just like more options for the existing game that's set in 17th century uh, uh, times and then the 17th century Earth. And then volume two was Blasters and Intrigue, which is how to do your swashbuckling in space. And it has other kinds of stuff in there as well. Uh, And then volume three, which is the one that's coming out pretty soon is um, non-human characters. So if you have like an arraignment of fantasy and sci-fi people to put in your game, uh, like uh, I I have like dragon kin and tortagons and like uh, Naga and all these other things and sci-fi and fantasy ones, Martians, Lunarians, like this, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that makes sense for the space stuff. I mean, you know, you put that out and more options. Here's if you want your orcs to be in space, here's a suggestion on what they would be like if they were a space fair. And you're probably not going to be obviously red spaceships. There's this instead of dwarves, you have this this species called the Derg that live on a high gravity planet that doesn't receive a lot of sunlight and they get all of their energy from below ground and they they're really good at engineering and stuff, you know, like that's clever. I like that. <laughs> Hence the yeah, the it's stoutness. always useful to to have options to reskin things. And, and one of the things I, I was talking to Chris a little bit before we started, you know, recording was how impressed I was with the science fiction, uh, the science fiction supplement because it went so far beyond just your typical kind of like Star Wars, mm-hmm. like sort of planet sort of thing. But covered all sorts of other different science fiction too, like the real old pulp, like Flash Gordon stuff, or like cyberpunk and things that like I never in my mind would have connected cyberpunk with like an Honor Ninja kind of swashbuckling sort of thing. But once I, I, I once I read that, it made a lot of sense. I'm like, oh yeah, there's a lot of tropes that carry on between yeah. those two. Yeah, on high action. Yeah. It is. It is uh, very yep. high action. So, like people like slow motion jumping through the hallways with a gun in each hand, like yeah, just totally thing like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, I, westerns, space operas, and like swashbuckling have a lot in common with each other. There's yeah. three genres. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm and strangely, samurai movies. Yeah, <laughs> well, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Inspired by westerns, or yep, was it? It's a big. It's just a big. It circle. It's a big circle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering, like, what. What like how did you come up with honor and trigger? What kind of drew you to the concept, right? So I, I have pretty much only just run Pathfinder, and I knew that I wanted to do a pirate game, and I did a lot of research on what I wanted to to research, and <laughs> honor and intrigue just kept coming up as like the best swashbuckling pirate game to run as a system. I, I I'm thrilled to see hear that. I didn't realize. It yeah. Was that popular. But yeah. Um, you know, since I was a kid, I was really into swashbuckling films. Like the, I think one of my earlier memories of of a, just really getting interested in a movie to the point that my parents ended up buying it for me on VHS, and then I watching it, me me watching it like once a week for the whole summer that they got it for me was the 1930s Robin Hood movie with uh, uh, oh wow and Olivia De Havilland. And but um, Basil Rathbone, right, as the villain, and he, he was the villain in so many of those movies too. I actually, in the book's dedication, I gave him an extra like shout out because he was. If it wasn't for you know Basil Rathbone, Zorro, and Robin Hood wouldn't have looked so good. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah. That that film, and I just got into all of the other ones too. Like I, I'm, I guess, a film buff from like old time movies and stuff, and so. Uh, I watched those. I love the Richard Lester Three Musketeers movies from the seventies. Really helped inform the writing, and I did a ton of research for this book. So I ended up, and by research I meant buying DVDs to watch. Of we there. talk all the time about how great calling something research is, but it's really just you doing something that you like anyway. Yep. Yeah. Like buying games, or you know, yeah, watching TV shows. Yep. Watching yep. DVDs. 
Yeah. So like examining the different genre tropes and stuff that I see. And of course, the Princess Bride and the Pirates of the Caribbean was huge at the time, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were big influences um, as well. Nice. I also I I actually have a a fun fact about the 1930 uh, Robin movie that I actually just learned this week. So it's serendipity. The director wanted to make sure that the arrows looked realistic. They didn't want to use like camera tricks or anything like that where people got hit by an arrow. Mm-hmm. So they had actual English like longbow specialists really shooting people who were wearing like extra padding. Oh my goodness. And and the ex- and the extras got paid 150 bucks every time they got shot. That's Which was a lot of money. 1930s. Yeah. Yeah, but that's... they were really getting shot with bows now. During the depression, yeah. 150 bucks. I'm that sure goes a long way. Yeah. Them with yeah. a real arrow for 150 bucks. I mean, you got to capture that realism on film. So the set Capitalism was effectively. For a good yeah. Movie. It's but it just, it was the u- uber rich just going, watch how much, how, watch how many peasants I can no, shoot. Oh no, that's awful. <laughs> Tally ho, we got another one, chap. Oh no. I have a follow up question, I guess, is actually. Oh, sure, go ahead. I do too. How, how do you know so much about swashbuckling and sword fighting have you ever taken any classes or is that all just like primary research Uh, a lot of it was primary research i've never taken any sword fighting classes i did take martial arts when i was young but um not i never took fencing my wife did which uh she told me some stuff about it but a lot of this was just watching Watching film, researching, looking it up online. I mean, I looked into like the, you know, the the sword fight scene between Inigo and the man in black at the beginning when they're talking about, well, I find the Tybalt cancels out Capofero, don't you? And like that stuff. Those are all real things that they were mentioning. Now, the way that they actually work and what those terms mean isn't the same as what it showed in the what it showed in the movie, but uh, it, those were real terms. So I looked into these different fencing masters and the different art, the philosophies of sword fighting and stuff at the time. And I kind of, you know, adapted it to make it more, you know, unique and interesting from a role play perspective, but uh, use yeah, those. Yeah, the styles the- are really cool. Yeah, yeah, the styles are fantastic. I love the huge list of like maneuvers and stuff. Like I was like, yeah. I don't know what 90% of these are, but now I know a little bit about them and they're really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually, I did fence a little bit in college. Oh. Uh, and I think, I don't think I'm the only one. I think Amber might have. Did you fence? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She has I did a beginner. Just a beginner. Yeah, I did, I did a beginner in like second, like I did for like a full year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I fenced like a little slower and a little saber mm-hmm. uh, and very, very little heavy. Uh, but it, um, it does like having fenced. I would have thought you had fenced. No, I, unfortunately, yeah. I've not gotten the because ch- it came. It came across. It came across really, really like well. I was like, oh yeah, this is this is pretty much like how it did. Yeah. Well, hey, it's never too late to get poked with. No, I, honestly, the <laughs> college near me had offered a fencing class and I was going to sign up to take it, but it was at the same time as another thing that I was a different PE class that I wanted to take instead. So I made this choice and said, Oh, I'll just take it next semester. And they haven't offered it since. So next semester, and that was my last, I, I little did I know that would be my last chance ever to take it. Ah. Oh, it's never too late. For never say life. never. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they'll offer it again. I should check. Look into it later. That leads actually really well to to my question. So one of the things I also wanted to ask was just how you went about making your system just so unique. And I could be wrong. I haven't. I don't know a lot of systems. Uh, again, I've only pretty much run Pathfinder. But I loved almost like everything about your system. I didn't read really everything in detail, but I loved like your careers and how that kind of informed the backstory and kind of replacing that for skills. I loved mm-hmm. like like Amber was saying the list of maneuvers. I from a Pathfinder world that was perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just like the way you did stats and things like that. So the careers, uh, th- that part of the game is not unique or original to Honor and Intrigue. Honor and Intrigue was based on another game system called Barbarians of Lemuria, which is essentially a Conan-esque type RPG mm-hmm. uh, designed by Simon Washburn. And uh, Simon and I had been in communication online about doing a swashbuckling version of it, and then he ended up licensing me to just produce it myself which i oh nice ended wow, so up you worked like heavily or you worked closely with the creator uh, of that game uh at first we were going to work on it together but then yeah. he 
said, you know what, why don't you go ahead and, and take this and, and do it? And so the the bones, it's based, it's built on the same chassis, but a lot of the added, a lot of stuff is added on, for instance, like for genre convention type stuff. So for instance, I changed the name of the stats. The stats were strength, agility, um, I think wits and appeal. And I changed it to might, daring, savvy, and flair. All right. I decided to make it so that each stat was useful in combat for for something. Right. So there was no stat that wasn't had didn't have a combat use. Mm-hmm. I decided to uh, in the the advantage mechanic for hand for the sword fighting. Right. That was something that I added to it. As well. Yeah. Like, was based on BOL though. I was really hoping that that advantage kind of dual, you know, like the retreating and then the, you know, on guard and all this. I thought that was going to come up with uh, with Jean in a duel, but he talked the guy out of it. I was like, sorry, oh. guys. Jean just intimidated the shit out of everyone. Never had a fight anyone. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say one of the downsides is I, I do wish we got into that more. Right. A lot of the maneuvers and just that that on guard and like advantage system. I think it's one of the things that's very unique and really Because cool. it's very cinematic. Mm-hmm. It's very super cinematic. cinematic. I also, love that you can. Another just to kind of segue back to our, our, our what we're going to talk about. Right? Uh, another thing that I, I personally love in the system is fortune points. the fortune points. Fortune points, right? yes. And because, it's, and I love, in any game, I love a meta currency. I know you and I talked a little bit in that, and your superhero system also has something similar. But there are two genres that lend themselves very well to these players having something they can use to affect the fiction around them, either if it's a re-roll, because nothing sucks more than building your character to be awesome at something, and then you dip like the most important role you could possibly make, and now you're just a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, and so getting that point to be like, hey, you know what, we're going to have a redo on that one. Uh, that's awesome. But even be able to use them for other things, just to inform flair or to put a detail into the fiction of the, of the story mm-hmm. or to do whatever is awesome because it gives everybody at the table like a you know a stake in the storytelling. Yeah, and you also get them by playing your downfalls and, and yeah. your drawbacks in the game, and I love that too. Like if you play your character well, meaning badly. You're gonna get this thing that you can True. Use to be better at another time. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we so define what is, like, when you... karma? <laughs> yeah. Why don't we yes, define that? Just because I, I mean, like you, kind of did, but yeah. yeah, you kind of danced around a lot of the main thing. But I actually have an example that when I was thinking about it and I looked into it, and people are kind of fifty fifty on this one. So when when it comes up later, um, meta currency is a resource in a game that I guess is kind of I don't know how important this detail is, so we can discuss it. It is an out-of-game resource that is player-facing, but not character-facing. So it's something that the player uses, hence the word meta, right? Like, the character doesn't know that they have this fortune point to spend, but the player knows that they can protect their character by using it. Yes. I think that's a... You know what I mean? Like, it it, it makes sense, but at the same time, I do think the best versions of metacurrency do have to do with the character's yeah. involvement in earning it or something like that, right? Like plot um, armor kind. Yeah, it's kind of like plot armor, but you got to earn it, right? It's not just... Yeah, I agree, but I, I think that detail think still... earning it in-game make, makes the character aware of it, though. Exactly, so that's going like, Sometimes, maybe. It could be, though, just fulfilling genre tropes, right? Like, right. you stuff. Yeah, I think that's when it's used the best, is when you're using it to fulfill a genre trope. And I think, you know, the best one I can think of, example that I can think of is the superhero games. And I, I'm not familiar with the one you but I know like even Masterminds has hero points, which is a similar system. Mm-hmm. And within it, they have traits that you can buy and, and also you know, basically like disadvantages for your character. And disadvantages are how you get hero points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get hero points by sucking, by losing, and by getting disadvantages. And like the prime example of, of, of like that sort of thing would be like, you know, Peter Parker having to be somewhere to like help yep. Aunt May and he's late. And now he has to make like a decision: Do I like stop this robbery, or do I do keep my appointment on time with Aunt May? And he's Peter Parker's going to stop the robbery, and then he's, he's going to complicate his personal life, right? And yeah. everyone's going to think he's going to screw up. The so James. he gets a hero point for that. Right? Ironic is in the old original Marvel role playing game, which I never got to play. I read it, but in that one, if Peter Parker misses his appointment with Aunt May, he loses karma. Which that karma yeah. I, makes I, no I, sense. But, yeah. Think about it. Karma in that old phase rip system was like the first meta currency, at least the one that I. Yes, yeah, so it was. You know, that's a really good point. Was mm. I played that game very, very briefly, 
Uh, and you're right, karma is what you use to save yourself uh, when you were like about to die. Unfortunately, and, you had to spend it before you rolled. And since it's yeah. a percentile-based yeah. system and you're spending like tens or hundreds of karma at a time, it kind of was like, man, I need to make this roll. I'll spend 50 karma on it. And it's like, you know, you, you only needed 10 or something. What a gamble. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the, thing, the thing too is like within it, if I remember correctly, is it was very one- it was very one-dimensional how they applied it. They probably they pretty much applied it evenly across the board to every character. So there were characters like you. You lost fifty karma if you killed someone. Yeah. Well, if you're playing the Punisher, <laughs> you're going to be like negative ten thousand karma. Yeah. You know, by the end of like a session. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense to play that game within that rule system. I you know? swear, so, I, think I read something like in one of the books, like there was a little aside or something about why play Wolverine or the Punisher. With with those rules, but I can't I can't remember what it said about it. Or I'm sure there was, but I don't. It's been years and years since I've looked at it. So, Chris, um, how did you decide to include a meta currency? <laughs> like you said, it's it's very genre tropey. But how did you decide to include it? And then, um, how did you did you use because um, because Bash was out first? Did you just kind of use a similar system? And it's it's a bit different. So the in Bash. Um, I the original edition of Bash uh, didn't have a meta currency. Uh, it had hero dice, which I guess is a kind of meta currency, but they're much more powerful than like the hero points. Mm -hmm. It was like just one; everyone gets just one, right? And characters in that one were all built to be equal power in the same group. And so I didn't have any kind of meta currency. And then I I started running a game that for a convention or something where the characters weren't going to be all evenly powerful. And I had to come up with a way of balancing them. And what I came up with is, okay, you get these points, we'll call them hero points, and you can use five of them to make a hero die. Um, but they, they are on their own, you can just add it after the fact to your role. So if I missed by three, I can add three hero points on them. And so my care and what I did is I did it as okay, your character is, you know, six character points less than the what the average was for this game. So you get to begin with six extra hero points. Right. Uh so this worked so well at the at the table when I tested it that I decided, okay, when I make another edition of the game, it's going to be in the core rules. And so that's where it started. It was from that is just how well it worked as balancing so that you could have a team where you have essentially a god, a, a patriotic shield wielder and a god, mm -hmm. literal god of thunder on the same team. And the shield wielder is shining just as bright as the god of thunder, sometimes brighter because of the difference the hero points could make. Mm -hmm. I will say too, I also really appreciated for Honor and Intrigue that a, a lot of the times like uh, people will have a meta currency and they'll list like a, a brief paragraph of what it is about. But I loved for Honor and Intrigue, there was like a whole page or maybe even two, I think, that de detailed how you can get fortune points and how you could spend fortune points. There was like a nice list of different examples. Yeah, and it was very, if I remember it correctly, it was very like con drive, like you can... You can add to your role. Yes. You can add another die to your role. Yeah, you can make it a mighty success. But my favorite is always that, that final caveat where it's like, or you can use it for something else. Yeah. 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 Rule yeah. Goal always. Put something in the system. It, yeah. And this was very much about evoking genre conventions. So the ways that you earn the points are when a genre convention <laughs> thing happens to you and it's bad. <laughs> right yeah and the ways that you can spend them is to make good genre convention things happen for your character which like for example when we we saw like jack sparrow grab onto a rope and swing or, or from ship to ship and literally every marine on the deck of that ship was ordered to kill him and they're all shooting <laughs> and every single one of them missed when there's like 20 people firing muskets at him why was that? Because <laughs> in a swashbuckling game, yeah, you don't bring a gun to a yep. sword fight, and <laughs> yep. he, so it, it, the the hero and villains have a tendency not to be killed by bullets. A bullet can knock the hat off their head or put holes in their jacket, but it's unlikely to actually kill them. So that's one of the things you can do. You just I, I'm going to spend a a fortune point. To make it so I no ranged attacks hit me this turn. And that's that's how it works. 
Yeah, because that would be so anticlimactic. And like you said, you want to play oh. into these really great genre tropey kind of moments and and, get and that I think experience. that's the, the best way. Must happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Or not happen. Or you talk your way out <laughs> yeah. of it. Or yeah. not. <laughs> Thanks, Christian. But, um, sorry, guys. Uh, no, I think I think in game design, the best use of the meta characters to to encourage that. And yes. you know, we've all played wanted. We've all had games we're excited about. It's a certain sort of genre game, and you want to play it. And you have that one player who just like doesn't get it. Or, or like they want to make this a like, different sort of character or Troy's not here, I'm going to pick on him. Like Troy, he wants to pull a gun out like, and no matter what it is. Right, Troy wants to have a Glock, right? Or Troy like wants to make, he'll be like, I want to make this sort of character where this sort of thing happened. And you're like, yeah, but that's yeah, yeah, like, this isn't really the setting. Yeah. <laughs> right, like, again, so and, I'll, and I'll say like, a... again, the classic Troy story of like Call of Cthulhu scenario where he's like, I want to play an albino milk game uh, named, yeah. Um, yeah. Liberace. Liberace, like, yeah. What? Like, okay, I guess, and, and we'll just roll with it. Yeah. A boys' correctional facility, but okay. <laughs> yeah, like, whatever. Hey, yeah, cool, we'll go with it. And, and so having something where it's like, listen, like, it sucks to have genre, bad genre things happen to your character, but we're going to make it cool by giving you this thing. <laughs> it sucks to, like, sometimes play your character, you know, not like, like, we all play our characters and drive them like solar cars. Like and idiots. Bad stuff. But some people don't want to do that yeah. for whatever reason. And, and uh, so that gives them a reward to do that, right? Yeah, Metacurrency So a good way to take the sting out of like a major plot twist, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like you you all drink this toast and then you feel woozy and you pass out and you wake up in the yep. dungeon. Give the players something for that. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that. Idea. Like one of, the, one of the things in the superhero games, you know, system is like, having the bad guy win the first round, you know, and that's a very common trope. Oh, yeah. The bad guy wins either by like, you know, ha ha ha, I'm going to get away because I put a bomb on the school bus or whatever. And players don't want that. They just want to beat the guy up. Yeah. And that's a really good way of being like, listen, you take the L this time. But, but that's you learn okay, something. You're going to really just like destroy him in the finale because you got yeah. this cool hero point that you can use. Makes yeah. the victory so much sweeter. <laughs> exactly. Yes. No. Yes. Should we talk about some meta currencies and other games? So and. Christian, you actually just said we play our characters like stolen cars, which is a very John Harper point of yep. uh, kind of piece of advice. And so my example <laughs> that might be not necessarily meta currency is from Blades in the Dark. And I want I want your guys opinion on this. Yep. Stress in Blades in the Dark is sort yeah. of a meta currency. It is also yes. a mechanical <laughs> thing about that can like bring about trauma, but you can use it. You can spend it. A, it is a, resource. You spend a character it's a character resource not a player resource mm-hmm. but it's a character resource you can spend to give yourself more dice at the expense That's of true. taking on trauma yep. yeah it's a, absolutely. it's a quasi-currency because the character is aware of their stress level and that you can feel yourself losing your shit <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah it's on the edge there it's similar because composure in in honor and intrigue is kind of that thing but i wouldn't call yeah. it a meta currency because your character is very much aware of the fact that you've lost composure you might not know what it's called but mm-hmm. you're aware of the fact you don't feel a hundred percent anymore yeah so i guess in that case stress wouldn't count because it is something that your character is experiencing like they are just pushing their limits and so i have i have another one that i'll, I'll throw out there yeah. i'll have okay. one that i'll throw out there that might be on the line too and it's, it's kind of a game you wouldn't think would have something like that all of cthulhu has luck oh sure and that's a stat luck is luck is something that's a stat and there are luck points, and you can spend luck points, depending on the version of the game, you can spend luck points to affect your rolls. And once you spend it, it's gone for good. If you want to go like the real hardcore version, it never comes back, so you can run out of luck. Mm-hmm. Now uh, you know. Or if you want to run like the more pulp version, you know, you can regain some luck, and they, they have some things like you can spend like, you know, 30 luck points to avoid certain death uh, if you wanted to play like the pulpy version of that. Yeah. That's less, That I think that's closer to meta currency than yeah, stress. That's, that's- because you don't know how lucky. Because your you character would have no, Nobody, nobody really does, right? And so, and so, there's, you know, there comes a decision of like, you know, the character doesn't know if they're pushing their luck, right? Mm. Wait, Chris, you were going to say something. Superheroes are aware that their superpower is luck. <laughs> That's the character I Those want. Those characters to make. are always ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. I've run multiple, made multiple based characters for superhero stuff. They are quite fun. Wasn't there one? Yeah, the, my 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 concept my concept is a guy who like he just doesn't even want to be a hero. He just happens to be there, 
and it's like, you know, oh, I tripped the Green Goblin by accident, but I was really just here outside the bank getting a hot dog. Like, I don't know what happened. Uh-huh. And he's like constantly on the news for that and everything. And just everything just goes mm-hmm. their way. You know? Have you That's seen? What I want. Have you seen Deadpool 2? It's just Domino. Yeah. She, like, she yeah, just walks confidently yeah. into everything and goes, it's cool, I'm going to be fine. It, <laughs> and yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, oh God. <laughs> in um, Duelist's Guide for Honor and Intrigue, and before that it was part of an adventure module called The Sorcerer of Lupa, there is luck-based fighting style called Fate's Favorite. I and love it. It, it. It's basically, you're not actually good at sword fighting. You like trip and knock bump into the bad guy and knock them over or something but if you guys have ever seen the the old richard lester uh three musketeers movie and if not you should watch it there's a scene where constance uh, d'artagnan's love interest gets kidnapped by the cardinal's guard and they're taking her to take her off to bastille or something and she like turns around and gets like this pole caught around her wrist and knocks out both sets of guards yes. that are next to her and and she like manages to accidentally escape from the guards because this halberd they were like holding like to you know urge her along you used to trip them by accident right oh that's so good <laughs> that was my example of where to get that from and one of my characters in that long campaign i ran this guy named sergeant gaspar is if you ever watch the old disney uh, old Disney Zorro show was the bumbling sergeant. He's like based on based yep. on that character. Uh, well, one of my players was that dude, and he took the fate's favorite dueling style. So he doesn't even know how to fight things. He just accidentally bumbles his way into saving like an Inspector Clouseau type character. Who, like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I don't have examples of other meta currency, but Amber, you mentioned Wanderhome. I have a bunch. Wanderhome. Yeah, we just pl- I just played this at Gen Con for the first time. I know Rainy was prepared to run it for a convention here, but it didn't happen. But Wanderhome has an interesting meta currency. Oh, yeah. these tokens. And like, basically, the, the gist of these tokens is um, there's like a pool of them and you get tokens when you like basically engage in self-care, like take a moment for yourself and whatnot. And you spend them to help others or sort of affect the world around you. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, there's a there's a little variance there. I would argue that that's not a meta currency, technically, because it is the entire mechanic of belonging outside belonging. Oh, it's so like, are, are we adding um, the, uh, it can't be the only mechanic? If well, it's just because it's a game that, is, you know, gets rid of dice. And the whole point of that game is do something for someone to get a token so you can do something for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, or do something not for yourself to get a token so you can do something. You know what I mean? It also yeah. seems a little bit maybe more char- like character aware too, right? Like it's it's a way to manage character interaction a little bit. Maybe that's, maybe I guess Metacurrency That's a tough one. We're bringing too. up like the, we're bringing up the questionable examples mostly. Right. But like, I guess. Because yeah, the main example Keep listening fake, guys, because right? we like, will get to the big ones. Part, right? Yeah. Yeah, fate points in fate, obviously. Uh, and actually, that's an interesting one. Explain it. And a it's bit, my example. I don't, I don't know fate. Yeah, um, fate points in fate. You start with a certain number of them. They refresh and everything like that. But basically, you can spend them, and it's very powerful. Um, they basically gives you authorial control for a little bit. Like yeah. you can either in, like create an aspect that changes like the actual environment that the characters are playing in not necessarily super powerfully but a lot of times it's it's a bit more powerful than a lot of other ones you can spend it to auto succeed on something too right i think yeah you can yep or which makes very affect your die roll. yeah yeah it basically makes really important roles kind of less exciting if someone just goes but you know but fate, fate that's like i would argue having like having run a fate campaign and it was a fake superhero campaign that it worked in the sense for superheroes it worked very well because it was in the sense of like, again, you don't want to design your character to be awesome or something and then fail that role. Sure. So the fate sure. point was like, okay, I just, I'm just going to succeed at this because I'm the guy who does that. And, That's and true. within the fiction of the game, you're supposed to be able to like justify why you'd be able to do that with the descriptors that your character has. Yeah. yeah. So you can't be like, you know, I'm Alfred Pennyworth, but I'm going to, you know, catch a 60 ton meteorite. Here's my that fate. That was literally going to be my you example. Know. That's wild. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Rainy, what you were saying just made me think of something. Uh, do you have to be able to, would you, this is obviously like everyone's opinion here, but do you think you have to be able to accumulate or hold on to meta currency for it to be a meta currency? If it's something you gain and must spend like in the same turn or one after the other, is it a meta currency? Yeah, it can be. Uh, you know, like I- Mistborn, the nudges are kind of like that. When you get a nudge, you can use it to edit the narrative. 
Yeah, maybe that sounds more like a meta currency. But like two D twenty system like you can't, has that too. The, I feel like you yeah. would have to hold on to it though, right? Like, I mean, is it a currency if you can't save it? Like, <laughs> that's true. Right? Yeah. Well, there's well, there's also there's banked. also a, a balance, right? Because I know I know with uh, the only Modiphius game I'm, I'm super familiar with is the Conan one. I knew this was coming uh, up from you, <laughs> but it has. You need Conan music for me. Uh, Chris talks Conan, uh, but um, it has Doom and it has um, momentum. Meta. Yeah. Uh, so there are two meta currencies actually. Uh, Doom is something the game master has. Momentum is something players generate. Momentum oh, works shit. just the way Amber. Momentum works just the way really Amber cool. just mentioned, where it's like, uh, "Hey, I succeeded extra on my roll. I have two momentum." I have the option of spending it right away to be cool and do cooler things. Maybe I disarm the guy I'm fighting. Maybe I just kill him outright and kill the second guy because of a big sword swing or whatever. Or I can save it. Yeah. If it's For the saved, party. It, goes into a, it goes into a party pool. Yeah. The party can only have cool. six momentum at a time. Mm. That, that, that is an incentive to use it. That's an right. incentive to use yeah, it. And right. it, it informs the fiction. And Doom, which I love more, is something <laughs> you give the DM. So yeah. let's say you For fail at a roll. Or you don't have momentum to spend, you can be like, in place of the momentum I would spend for this extra die, I will Giving give you, you DM one doom. I'm cooler now, but you're going to screw me over later. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That, that yeah. Something I was wanting to bring up was the DM side of meta currency because yeah. GMs, a lot of game systems have a GM meta currency too. Oh. <laughs> in Honor and Intrigue, yes. the villains and the heroes get the same exact meta currency. They both get fortune points. But in Bash, for example, um, there's the heroes have hero points, but there's also something called setback points, which if your character is playing an overpowered hero, like let's say your character's 30 points and the game limit is supposed to be 25, then okay, you oh, the GM might say, I'll let you do that, but you have to start every session with five setback points. And so that you, that one character, gets the five setbacks. But the GM always gets two setbacks per player. So the um, if, if I'm playing a game with five players, I get ten setback tokens. And five setback tokens is equal to a villain die, just like five hero points is equal to a hero die. And so that... That can really alter the balance of things from the at the right time, especially when uh, in the game, if someone spends a point to alter the result of a roll, no bidding wars are allowed. So if the if the GM, which in the bash is called the narrator, if the GM spends a point to buff the roll, uh, the result by one, the player can't say, "Oh, I'm going to spend a po- two points now to to oh, up like it." They just have that's to good. accept it. I love right. that. And the, the ideal time to do that is on an initiative roll because, like, oh, ah, but the guy goes right before you. So. <laughs> yep. When I ha- that's something that really works. And, and I think GM, GM's, GM meta characters are great because the, the problem you run to take it as a GM is like, I made this cool guy, this villain, and my four or five players just. Fucking smoked him. Two rounds, like <laughs> smoked him, right? Like you know, they just destroyed Smile the Dragon, you know, with one lucky shot in a round. And like, I talked this guy up, and I spent ten sessions building this thing up. And it's this is the story of Jess's. I was, I was gonna say, yeah. I wanted to reroll so much when we were playing Honor and Nature, and I was like, ah. And meta currencies allow you to be like, eh, no, I'm gonna make sure that this is cool. And I was gonna say, I'm, I'm also, uh, I mentioned this before, I'm very uninformed about games, but you don't see like um, a lot of games with DM meta currencies. Not really. I might be remembering members. this wrong, I, I, but I think Deadlands, the Bennies, I think the GM gets them too. Is that right? Yeah, I think that Deadlands, GM like, I've been so long since I've played it, but I think GM has yeah, their I've own. I've played Benny. it once, but I, I think you're right. They have something they can spend for, for They're yeah. poker chips, Bennies. Yes, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, in, in, I think both of the more recent Marvel games, like the one that's currently being play tested and the one that was done by Margaret Weiss Productions, they also had a thing called the Doom Pool, as in Doctor Doom, but like the DM had points they could spend. Uh, for I that. think that's a good design in, move, is it, well, it's a great name for it too, but there, it, yeah. In uh, Bash, one of the other meta currency things that I put in there, although I don't know if it's truly a meta currency, was like, or it's a use for the meta currency, the, the GM's meta currency, is that uh, you can spend it to have the villain do a monologue, 
And if the villain starts monologuing and the heroes interrupt it, so if the villain does a monologue, he gets extra hit point. Oh, that's great. Villain, villain starts monologuing. Good society, extra, monologuing. He, kind of a meta currency, kind of not, because it's the only mechanic. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he, the villain starts monologuing, he gets extra hit points. If the heroes interrupt the monologue, he gets more extra hit points. Yes. Oh, oh, oh punish them oh, for their needs. Love it. I love to villain monologue. I love to interrupt villain monologues. (laughs) See, that's also a way to to ensure that that boss fight is a boss fight. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I might just do that in general now. I find the examples we're giving. We had 30 hit points (laughs) instead of 10. Keep interrupting me. Keep making those tally points. Yeah. Every every attack is another 10 hit points. Uh, all of the examples we're giving, it's kind of funny. We, we've we been talking about ones where you can have quite a, a few. And I feel like those, maybe it's counterintuitive or maybe there's some psychological reason for this. If you get more than one, you're more likely to use them, I feel like. Yeah. Because um, we were talking about, we have we're going, we have a podcast about role-playing games. We have to, for a moment, talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> but, we- um, but D&D's, <laughs> or 5e's advantage is you only get it once. And we were talking about this, like players just hoard that, you know? And like, it's funny because it's a heroic game. I think it's because it's not very well designed to remind GMs to give it out. You know what I mean? Yes. GMs never give, I've, I've never played a D&D 5e game where the GM actually gave out inspiration. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to forget. I I, I have to say that I, that's happened. That's my experience as well. I've never had the GM, well, I, I take it back. I have had the GM say take an inspiration, but it's like pretty rare. That yeah. It yeah, it's so <laughs> rare that when a player gets one, everybody's like, are you keeping with the GM? Like, <laughs> <laughs> why did you get one? <laughs> I, I, I wonder what would be the harm in making it be that you can have up to three or whatever. Yeah. No harm at all. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, no, that's actually, effectively hero I, I was talking to Jess about this as a home rule, as a home rule in our, our home campaigns that we play. Mm-hmm. When we after we played Fate, the GM that runs our five game loved the Fate points so much that we instituted like just a point rule like that within it where every player has there's two per player for the party. So there's a party we have four players. So there's a party rule pool of eight that we can just use for re rolls or informing the fiction in the game or doing something cool. Uh, and so, for instance, I've used them re rolls and dramatic moments when we need them. We use them to do stuff. Of uh, one of the things I used them for was um, changing the spell I had. So I, was I, like, I was in a situation where I was like, I really wish I had, like, detect whatever memorized, you know, and just, like, was like, let me swap a spell out, I'll spend this point. Or another one was, this is the coolest one, I spent two once to make a spell permanent in, like, you know, NPC's house that we really love, and I, I cast, like, this protection spell that someone, like, watched that spell in my card in my room. And I was like, hey, can I just, like, spend a couple of points, like, my points for the session to make this permanent, because it would just be cool. It's not our base or anything, and, and so Dan was like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." Allowing the PC, so it does, and it doesn't have this major impact on the game. Yeah, allowing the PC to create a fact about the world, or to retcon that they did something right in the past that, like, that's a great use of meta currency, and it doesn't even revolve around rerolls or bonuses mm-hmm. to rolls or anything like that. It's just that you are. Creating the fi- taking part in creating the fiction that's that you know we're all creating, and it draws you in more as a player. Now you have like control of of the system, and it actually you know I think there's probably a hesitance to give this these out because people are afraid that they'll be abused, you know, mm. uh, with that. But I've never seen never. it abused in the table. Every yeah. time I've seen people use them, it's usually just to do like some cool little detail. Yeah, that is important to them that they think is cool. It really has no effects, you know, mechanically, no major effects. There are a lot of ones where auto success on a check or something like that just makes yep. sense for genre convention. Like, and a lot of adventure fiction is like, oh no, someone's coming, quick, get in the closet. All right, I auto succeed on this high check. You guys are talking, you guys are talking, and then someone's going to come around the corner and overhear you. Uh, everyone make notice check. Oh crap! We all rolled garbage. Oh, uh, spend a spend a point. Oh yeah, I heard that footstep outside the door. Right, so I go and realize that we've been heard. Right, or you, you again the shot the example of oh I felt I'm going to fall out of this window because I failed my balance check. No, no, you're just grabbing onto the ledge. Because mm-hmm. yep. in genre, those are very common things that happen. Is like the person falls off a ledge, but they actually 
fell into something soft or they grabbed on. Yeah, the old truck is driving by, right? There's there's one tree branch. The cliff, but congratulations, no one saw the body. You are still alive. You fall in water (laughs) and you're still alive, yeah. 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 Aragorn. Although being being able to just have your character who was everyone saw be eaten by a shark show up the next session because you're only <laughs> mostly dead is <laughs> kind of a different one. But that that's like you have to spend, I think, advancement points. I don't think you could do that with just fortune points, though. Or you come back with a peg leg like Duelist uh, yes. uh, uh, yeah. Guide has that actually as a thing of if you if your character is horribly hurt, you can choose to reduce the damage by a certain amount by taking a permanent injury that essentially mm-hmm. results in you taking one or more new flaws for your character. And so that absolutely can be one of them. Is that and I've had this happen in my more recent group, is one of the players has a thing, this the tor- the the torta the Tortagon Paladin, this tort- turtle paladin guy, it's like, I don't yield. I never retreat. So he his his character like refuses to yield advantage to any attack. He got like swarmed by multiple giant zombies, <laughs> like, pounded him into paste, and he managed he, he managed to just barely still be alive by taking a grievous head, a permanent head injury as a result and so now his like face is like horribly disfigured he he but survived the the fight but he he wears a mask now (laughs) because of because of what so awesome narratively too that's so cool not not a lot of players are reluctant to use that though like oh i don't want my guy to constantly have to cough blood all the time or something like that Like, yeah, but I think that awesome though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and I think that the option to have them like auto success sometimes feels, you know, like you said, it can be very perfect in moments if it's genre, uh, you know, um, applicable or whatnot. But I mean, even in games like uh, I have one here uh, in Warhammer, you have a fate point that can automatically save you from death because even in a game like Warhammer, where you know death is just another thing um nobody wants to lose a character right um so like having a meta currency that is like a one time okay you don't die this time it isn't the worst design right oh, no it's, it's good i don't know it's good because it can, it should and it should come with a character growth moment or like a development right it should in it should having be yeah with a consequence that's one of the things i don't like about auto successes is once in a while someone will use an auto success um, in a situation where the failure is much more interesting narratively and character-wise. And I'm like, please don't auto-succeed this. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And if they auto-succeed it with no consequences, it's especially disappointing that it's like this awesome story narrative moment that could have involved so much complication and growth is just gone for nothing. Like, that's a huge bummer for me. <laughs> or it's, it's, you know, that's interesting. That's an interesting it's point. comic relief that you've deprived the table of. Right, like yeah. and we love That's, our comic relief. That brings up an interesting point because, like, a lot of what we talk about tonight is revolved around you know, meta currencies. Very useful things is like you know, reward your little like have lobby and treats that you can give your players mm-hmm. to to get them to to lean into genre tropes and things like that. And it's interesting because of what Amber was saying, and it just occurred to me is like you know, and this is a combination of your story from your character and Amber's so like people don't like their characters getting changed, right? Mm-hmm. They stick out over it. And so, like, there's that, there's that kind of, you know, impetus to be like, I don't want my guy to change. But meta courage is a way to even encourage people to be okay with that. Because if it was like, you hey, you're going to be, like, maimed for a while, yeah. but that's okay, you're going to have this consequence, but I'm also going to give you this awesome thing that you can yeah. take, softens the blow, and they might be more willing to do it. Exactly. Can I please? You know what? Maybe PBTA is mine. Maybe it's this because I bring it up so often as like, this is my grail game that I want to play with people. But in my opinion, maybe the most complicated, but also probably the most interesting uh, for character development, Burning Wheel. Uh, there are technically three meta currencies in this one. For us, Rainy. Um, it might be two, uh, but technically it's called Artha. And basically at the and this is cool. Like you get them at the end of a session. And basically there's uh, persona points, there's fate points, and there's deeds. And basically you get rewarded these meta currency that can do a lot of things from like improving your skills, improving your attributes, being used uh, in very critical story moments. Um, but they're based on how well you played your character. Did you stay in character and hold true to their beliefs in a very difficult moment? 
Did you do something very important for the story beat? Did you like, you know what I mean? It's like, did you tick these boxes, even if it wasn't the most optimal choice for your character? Yeah. And, and, then and you elves get these, can die for being too sad. And elves can die from being sad. In I Burning love the, that in, in practice and with certain groups, but in other groups, sometimes it creates like an argument at the end of every game where somebody's like, I choked on a Jolly Rancher. Like, I deserve this. And you're like, what the fuck? Oh, you mean Troy just decided to start you're choking like, on a You're like, potato. no, that is not what this means by complication. Okay, that is not a complication. I will say this, <laughs> Burning Wheel and Dice Pool Systems are the kinds of games where arguments between player and GM are expected anyway. Like, hey, I think I've earned this. And you kind of got to go, this is part of the territory. Um, but I think that unlike... <laughs> D's advantage where you often forget to do it it's codified in the game of burning wheel that at the end of the session you ask these questions did you earn yourself these meta currency to use next time and i think that's good i also like it when it sometimes can be a matter of bad luck like something yeah. bad happens to you, you you get like something to sweeten it so in yeah. in honor and intrigue for for if there's a thing called stunts where you can take out multiple pawns mm-hmm. at a time right and i i love them there, you can, the, you can take out five five of the cardinals guard at once by dropping the chandelier on them or something. But it's if it goes wrong, there's a, it's a risk, it's a gamble, and if you fail, uh, it it's it flubs up. But if you can put a comical spin on why it doesn't go right, you get a, a free four right that's awesome so, and like the like so d'artagnan's gonna pull the rug out from under these cards feet and trip them all at once and instead he you just hear and he's holding the carpet sample up there instead of ripping the pulling the carpet out from under him around <laughs> and they have their weapons out and he's just sitting there holding the ripped up carpet that that was like just a hilarious moment in that film. That's what kind of what inspired that mechanic was that that moment from that movie. That's but, awesome. Yeah, but having having it so it can happen on the result of a bad roll too. Sometimes, like I think actually the fifth ed D and D they mentioned. No, it's not fifth ed. It's D one D and D. They said they oh. had this thing. Of, <laughs> they had the thing of originally previously it was whenever you roll a natural twenty you get a point of inspiration. Well, now they're going to do it of they're testing it as if you roll a nat one you get inspiration i'm like okay that sounds a lot better to me that's that is better actually yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have but i like that players who are like wow i haven't rolled above four all night <laughs> just the dice just fuck you fuck you <laughs> but chris i do like that you you have a way of getting a fortune point for a bad roll if you can and this is great like you don't just get it for rolling bad that's you have to you have to be clever you have to find a way to for it to you know fit into the story that you guys are telling in a comical way, you know, which is genre appropriate. I dropped the wrong chandelier and it landed (laughs) next to those guys. And they get that perfect, they get that perfect freeze frame where everybody just goes. (laughs) (laughs) And this is an audio format, but everyone knows what I just did. Yeah. Some of my favorite role-playing moments are like when people get roles and then we come up with the most hilarious reason, like why that happened. It's so great. Mm-hmm. I had a blades in the dark moment where like a character poked his head out of like a running train to like look around and like biffed his like it, perception check insight hunt study whatever it was Sorry. blades in the dark Sorry. he biffed it so bad Sorry. and we decided it was because the other character was pretending to be a chef in the car in front of him had like thrown a pizza dough out the window to like get rid of it and it flew by and it just nailed him right in the face like this <laughs> pizza dough it was so bad <laughs> oh, I died. <laughs> All right, so who's outro? Do we, yeah, do we want to wrap it up and, yeah. and think about outro? Any other points? I don't. Oh yeah, we don't have Sarah. Yeah, we don't have Sarah. Who outro? Who's going to do it? Real quick for everybody: Are you a hoarder of meta currencies by nature, or are you a spender? I'm a spender. You guys saw it in the last session of on our entry. I was out of fortune like halfway through the. Session. I think I hoard. I don't. I don't really use them. Yeah, but oh. I I don't play a lot of games with them, so. Remember that game we played at Gen Con? It was like Hollow Earth or something. The game itself was not very good, but there was a meta currency and like everybody at the table hoarded it. You can use as many as you want from as many players as you want on like a roll. And at the end, like everybody just dumped their fistfuls of it on like this one roll and just like 
utterly annihilated the boss like it was ridiculous was it the boss or was it the dinosaur i don't remember it, it was dinosaur. it was it was Hold the up. final challenge the important yeah. one we were just like here's five here's seven yeah. he's like that's a 48 like it was just it was ridiculous right. <laughs> yeah with and that's a, a system where you're like i'm rolling five dice i got a 48 on this check like <laughs> yeah. 5d2 i got a 48 yeah, we were just like make it rain. We're like throwing our chips. <laughs> yeah, <that's great. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What was we were we were on about? Yeah. Do you hoard or spend, Chris? I I, um, I definitely spend. Although I will sometimes build characters that don't get a lot to spend. Nah. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, nice. There you go. Yeah. That's like a meta meta currency. You 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 meta, you meta made him. Not being good. <laughs> being better. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But I, <laughs> I they're gone. I spend till they're gone. That's one of the reasons why the mechanics, though, have it specifically be when you earn one during play, you get the XP, you get an advancement point, whether you spend yeah. it or not. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to encourage hoarding. I want mm. to. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who's outro? All right. Us? I, I guess I'll okay. I'll do the yeah. outro. Well, do we want to give Chris just a minute to like talk oh, about yeah. what's available? Like, yeah, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, what's coming out? What's Chris? out? Now? What's cool? All right. Yeah, right. Chris, uh, go ahead and tell us what Thanks. where people can find you on the internet. <laughs> where you know what you got coming up in the pipeline. Uh, take a minute and just go for it. Okay. Well, on uh, we're all all of our stuff is on DriveThroughRPG.com, and so if you search for Bash Ultimate Edition or Bash Fantasy Edition, Bash Sci-Fi Edition, or Honor and Intrigue, right? Uh, that's where our stuff all is for the most part. And um, the next two things that I have coming down the pipeline are for the superhero game uh, for Bash. It's um, the Awesome Powers Omnibus. So there's been this collection of superpowers books based where they're kind of thematically arranged where fire is like one theme and, you know, skill is another theme and gadgets is another theme and whatever the the all of them are being compiled into a single book that is the next thing that we're coming out with for bash and it's it's final phases of layout right now and then what's coming out for honor and intrigue is volume three of intriguing options which is focused on non-human characters so anything sci-fi and fantasy all sorts of non-human options are available, including how to make your own new ones. So elves, dwarves, but also like aliens, like Atlanteans and Martians and stuff like that. Uh, and then the next volume after that, that should hopefully come out next month or the month after, is the one about spells and spellcasters, is the magic and psionics focused one. Ooh, that's awesome. Right, a lot of good stuff coming. Yeah. Everybody check it out. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. It's my time to do the Sarah thing, guys. Here we go. All right. Deep breath. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Modified Roles here with DMs After Dark. If you like what we do here on the internet, you can find us on all the social medias at DMs After Dark. And you can watch us play games on our Twitch at twitch.tv slash DMs After Dark or watch them catch up with them on YouTube. Um, if you want to email us and say anything directly, jokes, comments, um, fan, art. <laughs> su- fan art, suggestions, um, then you can email us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. And normally I think she apologizes for stuff, but I don't have any apologies this time. <laughs> I mean, just thank you, Chris, so much for joining yes, thank us. thank you, Chris. We, yeah, definitely. Thank yeah, you we so hope much, we did your everything. game proud. Like, <laughs> Oh, you guys are great. You you, you oh. great. All right, thank you. Yes, That's, that means a lot. Crushing the grandma and we, and, and uh, the the French carpenter for like yeah. session one. So, oh, nice! Oh, yay. nice. They ended up together at the end forever. I actually had a false prediction. Like I had said to Rodrigo, I bet that the grandma is a sea hag, 
and yeah. he's gonna sacrifice the granddaughter or something on the island. That's what I thought was gonna happen too. Yeah, let's. Exactly. That was actually my original plan. My original well, plan was to sacrifice her. I guess I wasn't wrong. Like, yeah, it, but yeah. I I came into session two and I was like, I don't want this girl to be a sacrifice, so mm. I'm gonna change it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that's nasty about sea hags is if you kill one. You are cursed to, to die a year and a day from the day that you kill it. And so one of my last things that happened in that long campaign I ran is uh, they killed a sea hag. And I think the next session was called A Year and a Day Later. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That yeah. is so good. That would have been so cool for, for Bowden, actually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did get yeah. that. No, but if they ever decide to revisit those characters, that's what I'm going to call the name of the session is A Year and a Day. Perfect. Oh, yeah. So much so much drama. Yeah. And just to tie it all with a neat little bow, Jess, apparently we just learned that you used your meta currency to change the narrative of the story <laughs> between sessions one and sessions two. Yes, yes I did. So, So until next time, spend those points. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Awesome.